Please turn with me to the book of James, chapter 3. James chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verses 13 through 16. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy... And self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Please bow with me in prayer. Dear God, as we study wisdom, we ask that you would make us wise. I ask that you would lead and and guide my tongue, that you would help me to say the things that you want me to say. Help me to be faithful to your word, Lord, and and help us all here to understand your word, to examine our hearts in light of your word, and that we would all leave here changed. That if some don't, don't know you, that they would come to know you this very day. And that those of us who do know you would leave here encouraged, convicted, but with hope, And more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Proverbs tells us, happy is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all things you may desire cannot compare with her. The Bible places a great emphasis on wisdom. But so does society. The Roman philosopher Cicero wrote that wisdom is the the best gift of the gods. And is the mother of all good things. And everyone values wisdom essentially, but but we don't agree on what wisdom is. And so you can say in our culture that there is technically a war of, of which wisdom is right. Some people say that the wise thing is to reject the inspiration of the Bible. That the wise thing is to reject the creation account in Genesis. 
The, the wise thing is to em, embrace critical theory as a lens to, to view the culture under. The, the, the wise thing is to be woke, right? They, they say this is wisdom. But what does the scripture say about wisdom? Well, wisdom comes from God. And in fact, it's closely associated with salvation. For example, Proverbs 9 verse 10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when a person begins to fear God, that is when they begin to be wise, not before. And fear is, is a word that's often almost synonymous with, with faith, with belief. We read in Genesis, God said to Abraham, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. So, so it was Abraham's fear of God that caused him to obey. But, but what does James tell us and the author of Hebrew tell us? It was faith. So in one place you have fear, the other place you have faith. The idea there is that a person who, who fears God has faith in God. John Gill describes Abraham's fear as this. He feared God with a truly childlike filial fear, with such a reverence of him that has fervent love and strong affection joined with it, with a fear that includes the whole of internal religious worship, all of the divine being, submission to his will, faith in him, and love to him, and obedience springing from thence. We read of Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man. So we see this, this fear of God associated with belief. And this, dear friends, is where we are told wisdom begins. So we could argue that wisdom does not begin until a person is regenerated. That, that the unbeliever cannot be wise according to Scripture. MacArthur points out that the Hebrew understanding of true wisdom was not intellectual but behavioral. So to the Jews, wisdom was skill in living righteously. And so we could say that that biblical wisdom is righteous living. And we have an example of this in in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. Our Lord says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. In other words, wisdom is doing what is commanded by Christ. Wisdom is righteous living. And according to Scripture, there are two types of wisdom. The, the biblical wisdom that, that was just described, but, but also what we could call man's wisdom, which is essentially folly. So it's not really a wisdom, but, 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 but it's referred to as a, as a different kind of wisdom, which essentially is foolishness. And in this text, James is contrasting God's wisdom with man's wisdom. Wisdom, or what we could call the, the world's wisdom. And as we see, J James is still touching the, the theme of true faith produces 
fruit. And so we could summarize this section by saying that that true faith produces godly wisdom, which is godly living. So you see the, the constant theme here. True religion produces works. True religion bridles the tongue. True religion brings godly wisdom, which leads to godly living. So James asked a question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who has wisdom? And who has understanding? And this word understanding can be used to, to speak of almost like a, an expert type knowledge. Who, who is wise and skillful in knowledge among you? I find this to be an interesting question. Because we go back and, and we see that James is anticipating these objections to what he's saying over and over again. So, so you, you know that he anticipates there are people who believe themselves to be wise and understanding. This is, again, why we, we looked at in James chapter 2. He says, even the demons believe and, and tremble. You believe God is one. You're, you're orthodox. You're confessional. You, you believe God is one. So, so he's dealing with people who perhaps know their theology, but are not living righteous lives. So he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. If you are truly knowledgeable and you understand how to apply God's word to your life, prove it with your actions. Dear friends, there are Bible scholars who have much understanding, much knowledge of Scripture, but because they are not born again, they do not live righteous lives. They cannot apply the knowledge of Scripture to their lives and in a way that, le- that leads to 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 righteous living. Douglas Moo puts it this way, James assesses these people's claim to wisdom, not in theological terms, how much doctrine do they know, how many Greek verbs can they parse, but in practical terms. Let him show it by his good life, by, by deeds done, and the humility that comes from wisdom. Similar to what James says in chapter 2, Show me your faith without works. It doesn't work that way. Not possible. So James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. He's saying, who is wise and understanding among you? Show it by living righteously. And so he tells us that godly wisdom leads to good conduct, good works, and meekness. And this is a huge contrast between man's and God's wisdom. Mu points out in stark contrast to this biblical perspective were certain Greek ideas of wisdom which prized intellectual ability and knowledge of divine secrets sometimes to the detriment of the moral life. And even in our culture, wisdom is often associated more with what you know than what you do. 
So we'll say that this person is, is a wise man. Oh, yes, he's immoral, but he's wise. Scripture says if he's wise, he's righteous. But what is this meekness that true wisdom produces? I love what Robert Johnstone says. He says, I do not know that at any point the opposition between the spirit of the world and the spirit of Christ is more marked, more obviously diametrical than with regard to this feature of character that the meek should inherit the earth. They who bear wrongs and exemplify that love which seeketh not her own to a world which believes in high-handedness and self-assertion and pushing the weakest to the wall, a statement like this of the Lord from heaven cannot but appear in utter paradox. You tell the person who has a Greek understanding of wisdom that wisdom produces meekness, and you say, what are you talking about? Meekness? I mean, this is, this is a weak character trait, right? And John Stone says, ah, brethren, This is because we have taken in Satan's conception of manliness instead of God's. One man has been shown us by God in whom his ideal of man was embodied. And he, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He, for those who nailed him to the tree, prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The world's spirit of wrath, then, must be folly, while then a spirit of meekness like his, in the midst of controversy, oppositions, trials of whatever kind, there can be no sure evidence that Jesus is made God to his people wisdom. What a wonderful statement. That we oftentimes think of a person who, who is wise, but, but, but arrogant and proud. And we say, oh, he's just a bold, wise man. But scripture says that wisdom leads to meekness. But now we need to be careful here because we must not mistake meekness with weakness or cowardice. He is not saying that that being meek is to be a a little small, frail man who's afraid of people, who's afraid of things, who's who's afraid to speak truth. That's not meekness. Being afraid to to speak truth is, is cowardice, not meekness. One commentator says there's another fact which will illumine the meaning of this word. So this Greek word for for meekness is used for an animal which has been trained and domesticated until it is completely under control. Therefore, the man who, who is meek is the man who has every instinct and every passion under perfect control. And he says it would not be right to say that such a man is entirely self-controlled. But self but such self-control is beyond human power. But it would be right to say that such a man is God-controlled. So, so this word meekness is a, is a word that's used to speak of a broken horse. So think about that. The, the idea is power under control. When a horse is broken, what happens? Does it lose its muscle? 
Does it lose its ability to run? No, it's simply tamed. And so this is what he's saying here, that, that the person who is meek is a person who is power, under control. So, so he has wisdom. He has knowledge. But he's controlled by God. He, his life is bridled by God. And so Johnstone gives us a summary of, of what James is saying here. What, what's, the, what's the point here? Johnstone says, we have here again what may be described as the central thought of this epistle. That where religion, the gospel, has real saving hold of a mind and heart, it cannot from its nature but powerfully influence the outward life. And that the more a Christian has of true wisdom and spiritual knowledge, the more manifestly will his life at all points be governed by his faith. Talk of orthodoxy and Christian experience, however fluent and animated and clever, does not of itself prove wisdom. The really wise man will show his works. I don't care if you can translate the Bible from, from Greek to English. Just standing here with the, with the Greek Testament. It doesn't show you to be wise. You can quote all of the, the church fathers. It doesn't show you to be wise. What, what shows us to be wise? Our works, our meekness. And so he gives us a contrast between, between these Two types of wisdom. And this serves as a test. So we'll look at man's wisdom this week, and then next time we will look at God's wisdom. So here's man's wisdom described for us. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. So he tells us several things about man's wisdom. The first thing he tells us is, is what drives it. What, what drives the man who is worldly wise? What motivates him? But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not lie and boast against the truth. Those who are worldly wise are motivated by bitter envy or, or jealousy and self-seeking. Not meekness, but bitter jealousy and self-seeking. And notice the connection between these two characteristics. Bitter Envy is the result of self-seeking. The person who is self-seeking is jealous. Why? Because he wants everything for himself. And when he doesn't have what others have, he's jealous. So here's a heart check for us as believers. What motivates us? What drives us? Do we sit here and desire what, what other people have? And, and, and because of that, it makes us bitter. We're, we're jealous. We're self-seeking. We want everything to be about us. 
Test your heart here. In, in your marriage. Is everything about you? Are you self-seeking? In the church? Are you self-seeking? You want everything to be your way. Everything needs to be about you. And what other people have, you are, you are jealous of. And this is, what, this is what drives you and motivates you to do whatever it is that you do. He says, if you do this, do not boast and lie against the truth. In other words, if you know in your heart that you are driven by, by bitter jealousy and self-seeking, do not lie and say that you are wise. Because you're not. It doesn't matter how much you know. True wisdom produces good works and meekness. So if you profess to be a Christian but are, but are driven by these things, you are lying against the truth because the truth is that faith produces meekness and works. MacArthur puts it this way. There is nothing more characteristic of fallen, unredeemed men than being dominated by self. James is therefore saying that if a person claims to belong to God and to have the wisdom of God, but his life is motivated and characterized by selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, he is simply lying against the truth. Whatever he might claim, he cannot be saved. He is a living lie. Think about the damage being done here. We are told that, 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 that if we do that, we are actually lying against the truth. In a manner of speaking, we are misrepresenting Christianity. And we see this all the time, don't we? We know that there are professing Christians who, who are driven and motivated to do what they do by envy, by jealousy, by, by self-seeking, and they are misrepresenting the truth of the gospel. They are telling other Christians, they are telling the world that the, that the gospel does not change man. It does not change the, the self-seeking of a man. He says you're lying against the truth. You are, you are misrepresenting Christ. You are misrepresenting the power of the gospel to change a person. Dear friends, this is not God's wisdom. It does not come from God. So where does it come from? Verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above. That's an important statement. Why? Because what did James tell us in verse, in chapter 1 rather? All good gifts and every perfect gift comes from above. Every good thing comes from above. But James is saying this wisdom does not descend from above. It's not of God. But it's earthly, sensual, demonic. So first he tells us what the extent is of man's wisdom. He says it is earthly. And this is a word that's often used to distinguish the, the earthly realm from, from the heavenly realm. So the idea here 
is extinct. This wisdom is earthly. It does not extend beyond earth. In other words, it has no eternal value. Think of this. Our world treasures wisdom, but rejects the Bible. That wisdom has no eternal value. In fact, it doesn't even have multi-generational value, does it? It's almost a self-destroying thing. If the entire world were to become homosexual, what would happen? It would be destroyed in one generation because it can't reproduce. It doesn't have generational value, but it certainly does not have eternal value. The only wisdom that gives us eternal value comes from God, comes from the Bible. And then he tells us the nature of man's wisdom. He says it's sensual. And perhaps a better word here is is natural. We could also define this as fleshly. This is referring to man's fallen nature. This is the same word used by Paul when he says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So he, he is talking about the fallen nature. This, this wisdom is fallen. It's, it's not redeemed in a manner of speaking. This is a wisdom that, that seeks to fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. It's fallen. Whatever comes of it is not good. It's not from God. And then so he tells us the source of man's wisdom. He says it is demonic. And this is the strongest point here. He kind of does a progression here of strength from earthly, sensual, and then demonic. Because this really grabs your attention. This wisdom, James says, comes from Satan and his demons. And this is not new. What did Paul say about false teaching? He said, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some would depart from the faith, giving heed to deceptive spirits and doctrines of demons. Moo points out that this false wisdom is, is characterized by the, by the world, the flesh, and the devil. But think about the implications of this. This is revealing to us that there is no neutrality with wisdom. We often think to ourselves, well, you know, they're rejecting the Bible, but um, I mean, it's just scientific. It's neutral. It's just science. It's facts. James says it's demonic. So that I would argue that the, that the, the, the people, the scientists who are, who are trying to convince people that Genesis is not history because evolution is true, that that philosophy is actually demonic. And you say, wait a minute. That's harsh. They're just being scientific. No, they're being demonic. This, this is demonic. There, there is no neutrality. Either it comes from God 
or it does not. And if it does not come from God, what is the source? It's demonic. But, but what is this? What do we do with this? When it comes to things like education and the books that we read and the influences we allow in our homes that we think are, are fine. We must understand the source of these things. If we are not being given the wisdom of Scripture, we are being given wisdom that is demonic. Do we understand that? It's not just neutral education. It's not just neutral information. It either comes from God or it is demonic. You know, we often think about the fact that in, in, our, in our culture, so many people are, are educated in a system that, that, that opposes God. Or we read books, and, and, and these, these, these books, these influences that we have, they, they oppose God, and, and we look at it as though it's not that bad of a thing. Yes, it's not in line with Scripture. Yes, it's contradicting Scripture a little bit, but, it, but it, is, it, is it really that bad? It's demonic. The person who is trying to convince us against something is in Scripture is not just a neutral person. The philosophy that they are pushing is demonic. No Neutrality. We must understand this. And so we see things like critical theory and wokeness and the Enneagram and all of these other philosophies that, that we know are not found in Scripture. But, but we say, well, you know, I know it has like an occultish um, background, but, but we can sanctify some of it. I know it's rooted in Marxism, but it's, but it's useful Dear friends, those philosophies are demonic, according to James. It does not promote wisdom that comes from above, wisdom from God, which means they are demonic. And so what is the fruit of this type of wisdom? He says in verse 16, For where envy and self-seeking exist confusion, and every evil thing are there. When people are motivated by jealousy and self-seeking, what does it produce? Look around you in our culture. It produces two things. Confusion. Or we could say disorder. Disorder is not from God. Confusion is not from God. In fact, God is a God of order. And He even commands us in the church to do everything decently and in order. But what happens when you reject God's wisdom? You no longer know the difference between a man and a woman. You have to be a biologist to know the definition of a woman, even though my five year old knows the difference. What is that? 
confusion. We don't understand that a person can't be a cat. We don't understand that, that just because we identify as something we are not, that, that we can't actually become that. What is this? Confusion. Chaos. Disorder. This is the result. This is the, the fruit of man's wisdom. It leads to nothing else. And the second thing he says is every evil thing. What does this mean? Some people think this means, well, this is just a word that's used to speak of the good for nothingness of this. It doesn't, it doesn't produce anything good. Or, or we could say that, that it produces evils of, of every kind. So that a person who is driven by self-seeking, by bitter jealousy, that the, the fruit of that will be confusion, disorder, chaos, and every type of evil imaginable. Think about what this wisdom does to churches, to schools, to homes, to societies. Look around you in our culture. Does this not describe our culture? Confusion, disorder, and every evil imaginable. Every vile thing. Dear friends, this is the result. And so we say, well, what's wrong with society? We just need better education. As long as I've been alive, the, the, the solution has been to give the schools more funding than people would produce better students. Man's wisdom can't fix this. This is why we see, even as a culture, that, that, that as we reject the foundation of Christianity, as we reject biblical wisdom, things get worse and worse, and things get more confuse, confusion. I mean, just, just look over the past 15, 20 years. How confused people have become. We no longer know what truth is. Again, we, we don't know what gender is. We don't know that men can't get pregnant. That's offensive to people. And every evil imaginable. So we have homosexuality rampant. Abortion on demand. And what's the next thing that people are trying to, to, to make legal? Minor attraction. In other words, pedophilia. Every vile practice. This is the result of man's wisdom. Dear friends, this is a call for self-examination. Are we characterized by, by good works and meekness? Or are we characterized by, by self-seeking and bitter jealousy? What motivates us? What, what drives us in our lives? We need to examine our hearts. What's inside of our hearts? Meekness? 
are self-seeking and jealousy. Only you can, can look at your heart and ask that question honestly. What drives me? What motivates me? Am I meek? And what fruit is being produced in my life? Confusion, disorder, every vile thing, every evil imaginable or good works. And perhaps this is a call for, for some of us to repent because we, we recognize that, that our hearts are not right. Dear friends, there is only one who can change our hearts, and that is God. And so if we find that, that you know, we, we, are, we are not the wise person based upon our works, and we look at our hearts and we say, no, I am not driven by, by meekness. We need to confess our sins. We need to turn from our sins and, and trust in Christ for salvation. But what does this tell us about society as well? What, what is the need? More information? What is it that's going to fix what's outside of the church and trying to get inside of the church right now? This confusion and this disorder. The gospel. You can't reason people into being more moral. And even if you did, it doesn't help them in the long run. But the gospel is the solution. And we need to understand this. And people say things like, you know, man is just really complicated today. And we're, and we're dealing with things that are, that are different. We're dealing with a different type of people today. Dear friends, the need is the gospel. When, when, when you look out into the world at the, the confusion and the, the rampant evil, we need to understand that the gospel is the only Solution. But the gospel is a solution. As we saw this morning, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is the cure for all that we see. Well, dear friends, this is man's wisdom and the result of man's wisdom. And next time we will look at God's wisdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a world filled with folly. And the result of this wisdom that, that James calls demonic is, is evident all around us. There is confusion and every type of evil imaginable. Father, help us not to be discouraged. To understand that, that, that the, the solution to this is the gospel. And Father, if we have bitter envy and self-seeking in our own hearts instead of meekness, help us to understand that the solution to that is the gospel as well. And Father, help us to examine our hearts. And Father, we thank you for your word that teaches us and instructs us, that, that, that shows us our, our, our shortcomings. We, we thank you for the mirror of your word that shows us where we fall short. Not so that you can condemn us, but so that we can become more like Christ. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.